are listening to the Unsung Lung Podcast, presented by Alberta Lung. Hello, and welcome back to the Unsung Lung Podcast. You guessed it, it's me, Jacob, and I am so excited to get into our interview today and talk about an incredibly interesting topic. Just as a sneak peek, our guest is an award-winning actor, a world-renowned podcaster, and a CBC personality. First, though, let's cover some housekeeping items. I know that nobody wants to hear this, but with it being August, fall is fast approaching, which means that our radon initiatives are soon to be kicked into high gear. In case you aren't aware, radon is a colorless, odorless, and tasteless radioactive gas that is the second leading cause of lung cancer among Canadians. It enters and builds up in our homes through the breakdown of uranium in the soil. When our homes have imperfections like cracks in the foundation, it can seep in and accumulate to dangerous levels. The two main radon programs that we have here at Alberta Lung are our Radon Outreach Library Lending Program and Tackle Radon. The Library Lending Program is an initiative that we started a few years ago where we donate radon detectors to many different library systems throughout the province. Library patrons can rent these detectors to get a snapshot of their home's radon levels but that program normally doesn't start until about October. Tackle Radon is slated to start in about a month. This program is hosted by the Lung Health Charities from Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and now BC. We partner with players, both current and alumni, from the CFL in an effort to raise awareness about radon. I'll certainly have more on this in September, and I'm so excited to share all the details with you. Now for today's episode. I am delighted to inform you that our guest is Jeremy Saunders. Jeremy's connection to lung health is that he lives with cystic fibrosis, a condition where the lungs create an extraordinarily thick mucus and this causes blockages and all sorts of problems. However, Jeremy is so much more than his disease. He attended Ryerson University where he studied acting. He also won many awards including a Gemini Award in 2011 for best host of a children's program. It's actually hilarious because I watched his show when I was younger. It was called Art Zuka, and it was on CBC, and Jeremy led fun crafts and activities for kids to do at home. And we'll touch on this a little bit during the interview. He also won a Canadian Screen Award in the same category a year later. Now Jeremy focuses much, if not a vast majority of his time, to his podcast Sick Boy. He is the co-founder, producer, and co-host of Sick Boy Podcast, a show that seeks to shed light on health and illness in a light-hearted way. Together with his friends and fellow co-hosts, Brian Stever and Taylor McGilvery, they put a laughable spin on illnesses that are normally quite upsetting to talk about. Jeremy believes that if you can laugh at and about disease and illness, you take away its power. I think that is such a strong message because while illnesses can be a tough topic to discuss, I think there is something to the fact that if you have it, you have it. Why sulk and hold your head down when you can embrace it and maybe live a fuller life because of it? 
And let's get this straight, I am not trying to belittle pain and suffering in any way, and neither is Jeremy, but there is something to say about making a disease powerless. Today we'll be talking about his cystic fibrosis, how his disease has shaped his life, and the amazing feats and accomplishments that he's been able to do. So without any further delay, let's get into my talk with Jeremy Saunders. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Jeremy Saunders to the Unsung Lung Podcast today. How's it going, Jeremy? Uh, it's great. It's my absolute pleasure to be sitting here with you, Jacob. This is uh, this is really fun. Awesome, perfect. So, we talked a little bit a little bit beforehand about my relationship to Jeremy, maybe not his <laughs> to mine before, and and Jeremy being a CBC personality and and having a kid show, and I think I aged him a bit whether he wanted that or not <laughs> you know what i i do want that here's the th- here's the funny thing like um uh i mean it, the, I, I feel like this might kind of tie into the conversation that we're having today but man it feels really good to be aged for me. <laughs> uh because my whole life my my thought process was that i was going to be dead by the time or before i was 30 and now i'm 34 right and so you know when i'm like when I don't get ID'd at the liquor store, I'm a little bit bummed out. Like I, I want, I want to like, I want to, I, or, or yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? When I don't get ID'd, I go, oh yeah, sweet. Like I'm, I look, I look <laughs> I made it. than I am. Yeah, I made it. But I, I, uh, I, I don't t- take offense at all. It feels good to be old. Perfect. Yeah. No, we'll certainly get into that and, and a little bit of your, uh, well, not a little bit. We'll talk a lot about your cystic fibrosis, but I'm just wondering if you can give us a little bit of your personal history, because um, I gave it in our intro beforehand. But um, I'm wondering if you can tell us who Jeremy Saunders is, kind of, and what you've what you've done and what has led to where you are today. As oh, general as that question is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, who is Jeremy Saunders? I mean, I um. <clears throat> One of the things that I, uh, that I, I, so, so I, I host a a podcast called sick boy and, um, I've been doing this for six years and a big part of my podcast is every single week, um, on Mondays, we release an episode where me and my two best friends sit down and we have a conversation with somebody who's living with illness and it can be anything from, you know, terminal cancer to, cystic fibrosis to endometriosis to spinal muscular atrophy, uh, endometriosis, you name it, like we've, we've kind of touched on it. Um, and one of the things that I've heard a lot on the, on the podcast is how people express how they don't want their illness to define them. And, uh, and I think that's, that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. Um, but I disagree. I, I don't feel the same way about that. I, I personally let my illness define me, um, but I let it define me on my own terms. And so as someone who's lived with cystic fibrosis my entire life, you know, I was, I was diagnosed at the age of uh, 18 months. CF is all I've known. And, and it really has like made me who I am. And at, at the risk of sounding vain, like I love who I am. Um, and so my whole life, you know, who I am, Jeremy Saunders is, uh, is a person who has lived with cystic fibrosis and that disease has shaped me into the individual I am today. It has made me, 
it has made me someone who is, uh, who I like to feel is very present. It's made me into someone who I feel is fairly observant. It's made me a person who is, um, who has a capacity for empathy. <clears throat> and uh, it's most certainly made me into a person who is, uh, maybe to a fault, extraordinarily silly and, and, um, and goofy. Uh, I don't take things too seriously. And I like to joke around. And my sense of humor uh, is many things, but most certainly it is very dark. And I love that. I love that about myself. And um, I think that's, you know, that's who I am. I've always been a ham. And I think that I've, I've hammed things up. Um, even when I was a kid, I was a total goofball. And I think CF played a big role in that. You know, like I knew <clears throat> as a young child, I knew that I was, um, for back, lack of a better word, <clears throat> I was different from my peers. You know, I, I had to deal with a lot of, uh, a lot of hardship as a child. And the way I dealt with that hardship was through the use of humor. And, uh, and that just made me, um, it probably made me a crappy student. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, but it, it made, it gave me a sense of humor. It allowed me to approach life and look at things that oftentimes people would look at and think that sucks. Um, but in, in turn, I could look at things that sucked and find humor that existed within it. And that's a huge part of who I am. Um, I'm a, I'm a total freaking goofball <laughs> and, and I love that about myself. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, I am a bit of a rambler, so, <laughs> but, but I, but, uh, who is Jeremy? I'm, I'm a, I'm a goof. No, it certainly doesn't. And I can, I can, I'll vouch for that. <laughs> Listening to the podcast three times a week. It's, it, we'll, we'll talk about it later in this podcast, but how you, how you tow that line of, of humor to, to illness and disease. And frankly, just something that's so sad, but turning it on its head is, is incredible. So, You've obviously talked about cystic fibrosis a lot, and maybe you can give us a little bit of background on, I guess, the process of cystic fibrosis and maybe the background on before the drug that we'll talk about in a bit, um, Trikafta, we'll talk about that. But what was your, your mental process before that? And, and give us a little bit of history in your battle with cystic fibrosis before the drug. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe there's someone listening who um, doesn't know what CF is. Um, so if that is the case, uh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm a theater school dropout. So, so don't <laughs> quote me on this, but uh, from what I've gathered over 34 years of living with cystic fibrosis is that CF is a, it is a multi organ affecting disease. Uh, it's a genetic disease. It's the most common genetic disease among, amongst young Canadians. Um, and primarily, it affects the lungs and the digestive system. Um, so for me, growing up, uh, I, I had those, those, those two, the, the lungs and the digestive system, were the two that gave me the most trouble. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to the lungs, uh, my lung function was sort of on this slow and steady decline by the time I hit like the age of 15. Um, and at 30 years old, my lungs were functioning at around the like 50% range. Um, 
when it comes to the uh, the digestion part of things, uh, my my pancreas doesn't produce the enzyme required to break down food. So malnourishment is a big part of CF. And so in turn, uh, it's been really challenging for me to, uh, I mean, next to impossible for me to gain weight. Um, and maintaining weight was like, that was the, that was the key. If I could maintain weight, I'm good. <clears throat> so I've always kind of been underweight my whole life. Um, and, uh, Back to the lung thing, what's happening in the lungs is that my, my body has this inability to, um, to sort of get rid of mucus. Uh, my body sort of clings on to mucus and produces mucus. And so that mucus hanging out in my lungs provides this really uh, wicked breeding ground for bacteria. And that bacteria leads to lung infections. The lung infections lead to, you know... Uh, fibrosis or, or scarring of the lungs. And of mm-hmm. course, that's the thing that's like causing the lungs to deteriorate at a very steady pace. Um, so, you know, when I look back at my childhood, um, some, of the, some of the hardest moments that I can, I can recall were times where, you know, I would come down with something like, a, like pneumonia Mm-hmm. Just just from a, a common cold, you know, I get a, a stuffy nose. That stuffy nose would turn into a sore throat. And that sore throat would turn into a nasty cough. And then that nasty cough would turn into full-on pneumonia. Um, I would be, I was no stranger to being admitted to the hospital. So I'd be staying in a hospital for, you know, two weeks at a time. And uh, I'm getting pumped full of IV an- antibiotics. Um and it's a, you know, no one likes being in the hospital in the first place. Uh, when you live in the hospital, like three or four times a year, that's a, that's a pain in the butt for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was something that I would consistently have to deal with. And then, uh, but, the, but the biggest struggles that I had with my CF uh, really tie back to my digestion. So uh, I take about 40 pills a day. And one of the medications that I take is, uh, it's called Creon. That's the brand name. Shout out to Creon. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who's making that, but, uh, uh Creon enzymes. <clears throat> and, uh, every time I eat, I have to take, uh, at this point in my life, I have to take eight Creon pills every meal. Wow. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I, I think I took like four meal, but as I grow older, I need to sort of up the intake of the Creon. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I was about 16, um, I had a bowel obstruction. It was not my first. I had, I had several bowel obstructions up to this point, but this bowel obstruction, uh, was a, was, uh, it was a biggie. Like it was, it was, it wasn't just a bowel obstruction. We thought it was, but what, what it turned out to be was a case of intussusception. Um, which is not to be confused with the popular Christopher Nolan movie Inception, you know, a dream within a dream within a dream. Um, but it's, but it's, it's kind of similar. It actually, it's not, it's not far off. Uh, an intussusception is, is basically like an intestine within an intestine within an intestine. So what, what was happening was because of the bowel obstruction I had, which was located at the point where my small intestine meets my large intestine, my large intestine, because of that obstruction, started to literally swallow up my small intestine. Eesh. So kind of like, like the way you roll up a pair of socks. 
And this is uh, no bueno. This is bad. Uh, you can die from it. Mm-hmm. Interception usually is like found in in um, like infants or like really old people. Um, so I had to go in for emergency surgery. And um, actually, sorry, the first time I went in for, I, they were like, we might have to do surgery. Um, and they actually dealt with the interception by, by giving me what's called a barium enema. So basically an enema, tube up the butt, huh. fill you up. But they're filling you up with barium. And barium is like this, um, it looks like milk, just bags and bags of milk. Oh, man. But, but this milk is a uh, fluid that, that I, again, theater school dropout here. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure barium is like a, it's a, there's a compound within that that makes it visible through um, x-ray or like CT. And so that barium enema, uh, the first time I had intussusception, took care of my, um, it sort of like forced the intestine back out and I was good to go. But in October of 2017, uh, so, you know, not that long ago, I had intussusception, the sequel, and, uh, <clears throat> and the sequel was a big deal. Blockbuster hit. Uh, 75% of my large intestine was was um was eating up my small intestine Yeesh. and so they couldn't the the barium enema wasn't going to cut it so i had to go in for emergency surgery that time and they went in laparoscopic surgery and they they pulled out 75 percent of my large intestine and they threw it in the garbage or you know wherever you throw unused intestine i don't really know <laughs> um and so that was like that was kind of a that was a moment in my life that was a that was a pretty profound moment that changed a lot in my life um only living with 25 percent of a, a colon is like uh, i don't i didn't i didn't need at require a an ostomy thank god mm-hmm. um but it definitely changes your life it changes the way that you uh it changes your it changes the way you sit on the toilet i'll tell you oh, that man much. um but uh but I, I i fully recovered from that and uh since that moment in 2017 i haven't had any digestion issues knock on wood um so that that was a, that was a really big moment but you know over the over the whole span of my lifetime i'm no stranger to uh spending quite a bit of time in the hospital i'm no stranger to lung infections i'm no stranger to immense stomach pain um and and uh, again, throwing back to the weight gain, you know, like always been a small guy. Gaining weight, it's been next to impossible. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the, I guess, you know, just to toss this in there just for, uh, just for a little bit of fun. Um, living with CF also, you know, I, I think it's 98% somewhere around there of males <clears throat> born with CF are born without a vast deference. So, so I was basically born with a vasectomy. Um, oh man! I, I, di- I didn't know this until I was like twenty. I think twenty-one. I took a. I went and like you know, ejaculated into a cup, <laughs> and they 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 checked out my sperm, and they were like, "There's no sperm to check out, so you are uh, you're good to go." Which um, <clears throat> which which is funny because I remember when that happened, uh, the the physician that like gave me the news. They kind of gave me the news with this tone of like, "Sir." Oh. Um, I'm really sorry to say that <laughs> you you are sterile, and I remember being like, "Sorry, <laughs> this is the best news of my life." So uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a really CF's a really like weird disease. It, it's got a lot of um, 
It's got a lot of these like interesting little quirks. And, um, you know, the vast deference is one. The other one's like my skin is really salty. So oh. if, you, if you licked my skin, it's very salty. And that has to do with like the sodium chloride channels in my body being all messed up. <laughs> I'll um, take you up on that another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. If you're ever doing shots of tequila, I'm, I'm your guy. You know, you want me around. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's super interesting. I didn't know. I honestly, because I'm so invested in lung health, I thought cystic fibrosis was, was just lungs. And I, I, I did hear about um, your intestine story before on, it must've been the documentary or maybe one of your Ted talks, mm-hmm. but um. So in moving along now, I'm curious, you've talked a lot about Trikafta and I haven't done a lot of research on it because I wanted to hear it from you first. I guess I'm wondering, can you tell our listeners what Trikafta is and why it's such a a breakthrough in the world of CF? Yeah. Trikafta is nuts. Um, and for me to like actually sit here and explain to you what it does would be insane because... Um, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I, I can, I can kind of give you sort of a layman's breakdown um, and, and probably butcher it even at that. But what I gather is Trikafta is a, is a, um, it's a gene modulator. So Trikafta isn't a cure to CF, mm-hmm. but it's, it's definitely the next best thing. <clears throat> so what's happening in my body is that um, I have a genetic mutation where the CFTR gene, the specific gene, is like um, folded incorrectly. Okay, so because that incorrect fold within the gene is in my body, that is the thing that's preventing my body from being able to flush out this excess mucus. So like, Jacob, your, your CFTR gene is, I'm assuming you don't have CF, is, um, is, is looking good. It's got all the right coils to it mm-hmm. or whatever. Mine's got that one little like flip and uh, that little flip is the thing that produces where my body produces that mucus. I can't flush it out. Your body goes, oh, this is too much mucus. I don't need this crap. I'm going to push that away. Right. My body can't. And so in turn, the lungs full of mucus. In turn, my pancreas full of mucus can't produce the, 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 um, the enzymes. You know, whatever it is, my whole body, all the organs, they just have this like excess mucus. So what Trikafta does is it goes in and it finds that CFTR gene and it, it folds it into, a, into the, the shape that it should be. Um, so I still have cystic fibrosis, but when I take that pill, it sort of treats my cystic fibrosis at the source. It's not treating my symptoms. It's literally treating at the source. That kind of, uh, sorry to, to butt in, but that kind of sounds like a cure. How, how is that different than actually curing it? Again, I, I'll probably butcher this, but I, I think what, what sets that apart as a, as a cure is that, um, is that my body is still, uh, genetically, my body is still producing those genes, or, or I don't know, does your body produce genes? Fuck, I, freak, I don't know. No idea. <laughs> um, but those genes are still coming out funky. The pill right. is there to treat it. If I stop taking the pill, then I'm back to square one. Got it. That the makes the sense. other thing is that there's so much damage done already in my body that it's not really reversible. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- although having said that, 
if I can, if, and I don't know if this is getting ahead of things, but to talk about what the drug has done for me, it's nuts. It's so nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, like it is, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost impossible to really articulate how much of a change it's made in my body. So I got the drug. Uh, it was approved in Canada late last year. I fortunately was uh, given the drug in November of 2021. Mm-hmm. Two days after starting the medication, my cough, which was something that was, uh, that was like my signature move. That's all <laughs> I, like, I, if you knew me back then, I was coughing all the time. Um, my cough went away. It was totally wow. gone. The, the mucus production in my lungs was like nothing. If I forced a cough, I couldn't bring up mucus. Whereas mm-hmm. before I took the drug, the slightest cough would bring up like a big old nasty loogie. Mm-hmm. So my, my cough disappeared. Um, my, my energy levels were through the roof. My, I had these like, I had these consistent every single day sinus headaches, like sinus migraines. And if I didn't take like two or three Advil by noon, that day, then I'd be like laid out. I'd be done. That went away two days in. That was gone. From no- November to February, um, I gained 20 pounds. I was the heaviest I've ever weighed in my life. Wow. Um, uh, there was like a mental clarity. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know. I, I doubt that that had anything to do with the drug itself, like having an effect on my brain. And, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think more so that mental clarity probably came from the fact that every day of my life I was living with this disease that was at the forefront of my mind. And now because of this drug, because of the power of this drug, because of what it was doing to my body, it was almost like I forgot that I had CF. You know? Right. Um, like it was just, it, it was absolutely insane how much this drug had an effect on my day-to-day life. Right. Um, and it, and it stayed consistent, you know, it's, uh, recording this right now. We're like middle of July. Um, I still rarely cough. Uh, my weight is, it's sort of plateaued. I'm like, like 160 pounds, which is wild to think, uh, Mm -hmm. never weighed this much before I had to (laughs) like change all, I had to buy new clothes. Um, and now, and now it's, uh, you know, I'm living a life where, where I, you know, I said earlier, like, it feels good to be old. Now I'm living a life where like the notion of being old, which is something I never really thought about is like, that's at the forefront of my mind. Like living is now at the forefront of my mind, which, which brings on its own, like, and and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny here. Like it, it, that brings on its own host of, of stressors. Absolutely. You know, like, like I, I lived, when I was 25, like I was, I was sure, I was sure that like it would be, it would be astounding if I got to or past 30. And uh, now I'm 34. <clears throat> and, you know, as someone who lives with a disease where you are convinced that you're going to die early in life, um, you know, I didn't plan for retirement. I didn't think about financial security like that that was it was just something where i went well hey that's a that's a plus side i don't have to be like responsible you know i can be a total douche and just like live my life spending money like i don't care and now i'm like oh no i gotta 
I got to think about like what retirement might look like. Like that's, yeah. it's um, awesome, but also damn, you know, like it's a lot, it's a lot, uh, it, it's, it's brought, it's brought on this, this, uh, this weight of, of stress that I, I most certainly wasn't anticipating, not complaining at all. Um, but, but I, I can't deny it. Like, I can't deny the fact that this is, uh, it, it put me into a place where I now have to look at life a lot differently than I did, which is a gift, but also a bit of a, bit of a, a weight to bear. For sure. Yeah. And so that was my next question, how Trekacta has affected you. And, and you answered that, I think, brilliantly, but I guess just on a more very specific level, so for patients with CF, you mentioned you you'd be happy if you made it past thirty. What what's that age range looking like now for you? Do they have do they have an estimate? No, they don't. I mean, you know, uh, before I started taking Trikafta, I think the well, let, let, I'll go even further back. When I was born, um, <clears throat> my parents were told that I, I would be lucky to see my twentieth birthday, and when I was ten, uh, the median age for survival um, for for people living with cystic fibrosis in Canada was 30 to 33. Um, when I started taking Trikafta, and this is this has nothing to do with Trikafta, this is just because of... Um, advances in medicine, advances regular in medicine. medicine? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, the life expectancy was, uh, I think it was 52.3, something really specific. Wow. Um, I think right now it's probably too early to say what, what Trikafta, because it's so new, like it's Mm -hmm. so, so, so new. So, so I don't know, but, um, you know, when I, when I turned 30, um, and again, this was, uh, maybe three years before I got my hands on Trikafta. When I turned 30, I was thinking, okay, 38, like (laughs) that's, that's now the number looming over my head. Um, and I was kind of, I was calculating that, um, in a really dumb way, but I like, I was calculating that based on looking at the trend of my lung function and how it was dropping and how much lung function I was losing per year. I was kind of calculating out like, okay, at what point, if it continues this way, will I start to get into like end stage CF, which I think is, I think end stage starts at like again, I could be wrong, but like 20%, right? 20% mm-hmm. lung function. That's when you need to start considering like double lung transplant, those types of things. So, um, so I was thinking 38 is probably a safe bet of like where I might make it to. If I made it to 40, that would be rad. Um, then I started Trikafta. And when I started Trikafta, I think at that point in my life, my lung function was at 56%. Mm-hmm. And... Two months in, my lung function was at 80%. Wow. Oh, it can go, it can reverse. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I thought it would kind of be like, it would stay at that, whatever you started at. Yeah. So they, so they, they said that their, like their, their hope was that there would be an increase in lung function. And they were saying, you know, some people we've seen a 5% increase. Some people we've seen a 20% increase. So we don't really know what will happen. But when I had my lung function test done, 56 to 80, specifically it was 56 to like 79.3 or something. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, let's round up, who cares? <laughs> uh, that, that, was a, that was like a, I mean, I remember that moment. Like, it's so funny when I, when I went in to do it, 
it was the uh, RT, the re- the, respir- the respiratory therapist. Yeah. Um, and there was a, a resident RT that was like, you know, on a placement. And he was just like, you know, tw- probably your age, like 23-year-old <laughs> dude. And I blew into the little device and I looked up at him and I could see in his face that he was like, <laughs> holy smokes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, good. Like, what was it? And he was like, you just blew 79%. And I was like, I immediately just like broke down. I just started crying. I couldn't believe it. Like, I just could not fathom that my lung function had gone up that high. I knew I, knew I felt good. I was thinking like maybe 65%. I was like, that would be awesome. But when he said 79%, I was just, I was floored. And so, so back to the, you know, initial question. I don't know. I don't know. I, um, all you know is that you have to start contributing to your TFSA. That's it. That's all I know. All I know is I need to talk to a financial advisor. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So let's, uh, I'm glad we got to talk about your CF a bunch. Let's switch gears. I want to talk about sick boy because I love it. So we're going to talk about that selfishly. Um, how did the idea for it come to fruition and how would you assess that it's gotten to such prominence in, in health, uh, in the health media and I guess health culture today? Oh man. Um, do you want the long story? Of course I do. (laughs) Uh, the long version is this. So, so I went to, uh, I went to Ryerson theater school in Toronto. Um, no longer known as Ryerson. They changed their name. Toronto something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> my, my, my dream in life uh, when, I was in, when I graduated high school was to become an actor, a working actor. And, uh, and I did that. I went on. I, I did some really cool stuff in, in the world of film and television and, and theater acting. Um, but I was living in Halifax, Nova Scotia around the year 2015, which is where I still live today. Um, and in 2015, there was this, um, the, the liberal government in Nova Scotia at that time made the decision to get rid of this very, very attractive, uh, tax credit that existed within the film industry here. So at that time, that tax credit was, was like a, it was like a, it was so, so, so attractive to, to filmmakers in the U.S. because they could come up to Nova Scotia and they could shoot some sort of, you know, Stephen King television show or movie set in Maine, but do it in Nova Scotia and do it for so cheap. Right. And so there was lots of work happening here. It was really exciting. But the liberal government, they came in, they, they decided that this wasn't, uh, uh, this tax credit wasn't like worth it for them. And so they, they axed it and they sent that money somewhere else. And it dried up all the work in Nova Scotia. And um, as a creative, as, a, as, an, art, art, you know, as an artist, um, that was so hard for me because I had spent all this time in my life dedicating myself to this craft of acting, of storytelling, where... Um, you know, unlike music or unlike, you know, visual art, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't play out my artistic abilities on my own. I, I, I rely on other people to hire me to do the thing that they want. 
Um, you know, I, I'm not, I, I wasn't the guy that was like, oh, well, no acting work in town. I'll guess I'll just go to the street corner and start busting out, you know, Shakespearean soliloquies. Um, that wasn't for me. And so, uh, I had this like sort of quarter life crisis where I thought, frig, like I, I put all this time into studying this thing that I love. And it's, it's the one thing in my life that gives me, that fills me up and, and sort of like fills that void of, of creative expression, but it was taken away from me. And a lot of my friends that were in the industry, they picked up and moved away. Um, but because Nova Scotia has, Nova Scotia really has an incredible um, healthcare plan, specifically for those who live with cystic fibrosis. So here in Nova Scotia, I, I don't have to pay for any of my meds. Wow. Um, I moved out to BC for like a, a short stint, uh, like seven months. And when I got out there, they were like, oh yeah, cool. Um, these meds we cover, but all these ones that you take, we don't. So you're going to have to pay us like $12,000 a year. And I was like, oh, whoa. I thought it was, I thought Nova Scotia, I thought Canada had like a universal health care. I didn't realize it was selective in these mm -hmm. ways. So I was kind of, I felt like st stuck here in a way. And I felt like the thing that gave me life was taken away from me. And I was in a really deep slump. I was really, uh, I was really depressed. It was the first time I, I had ever experienced depression and it was a really rough go. Um, and in that time, around 2015, I had gone to uh, a theater here in Halifax where there was a screening of a movie. Um, a movie, <laughs> a movie that is uh, not for everyone. It was called Tusk, uh, written and directed by Kevin Smith. He was the guy that brought you clerks and like Jay and Silent Bob. Anyway, he made this really, uh, this really crappy horror movie that I love called Tusk. Um, and he screened it here in Halifax. And, and after the screening, Kevin Smith um, got on stage and he had this Q&A. And the Q&A ran for like three hours. It was crazy. And in those three hours, there was maybe four questions asked. Like, you think I talk a lot? This guy talks so much. Like, he just <laughs> does not stop. <laughs> And one of the questions that was asked in that three-hour Q&A was asked by some guy, um, and the guy kind of had like a general question about podcasting, because it turns out that Kevin Smith is also a podcast mogul. He had his own podcast network. He had like three different shows that he was a part of. And his answer to that question um, was, he stood there in front of everyone and he said, here's the thing. Podcasting is the perfect form of creative expression because every single person in this room right now in this very moment, if you own a cell phone, which like 99% of you I'm sure do, you all have the opportunity to start a podcast right now. All you need is a recording device, your cell phone, and an idea, something, a topic, something to talk about. And the great thing about talking about a, a topic is we all have something that we are capable of talking about. You know, maybe someone out there is really, really, really into crocheting cute hats for kittens. And like, <laughs> that's your thing. And he was like, well, here's the thing. If that's your thing, you can start a podcast about crocheting cute hats for cats. That could be the name of the podcast. And it doesn't matter if, there if you're it doesn't matter if there's it doesn't matter what the thing is guaranteed there's at least one other human out there who also shares an interest in 
crocheting cute hats for cats. And it doesn't matter if it's one person or if it's one million people. You have this thing that you can talk about, that you can put out into the world, and there's going to be at least one person out there who gives a shit and wants to listen. And he said this, and I was like, again, I was at that point in my life where, you know, my form of creative expression was, in my mind, was stripped from me. I didn't have it. And I thought to myself, man, that's a, that's a really great point that he's making, you know, and, and I could do that. I could start a podcast and I could talk about what it, what it feels like to live with illness, but find the humor that exists within that, because that's a huge part of my life, you know, is, is finding humor, finding levity within a, a challenging situation. And I could call it sick boy, like right there, the, the name the, 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 the concept, all of it just formed right there in that moment. My, it was like my mind just like went into overdrive and it just exploded. And I got really like amped up about it. And I was there with like few, a few friends. We walked out and my one buddy who, his name is Andrew, he's an RT. We were walking back to the car and I was like, yo, remember when he was saying that thing about podcasting? I have an idea. <clears throat> what, if I, what if I did a podcast <clears throat> called Sick Boy and I talked about living with illness, but like finding the humor in it. And like, maybe, maybe I had a, 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 you know, my co-host was like a doctor and he was the guy that knew all the stuff. <laughs> I'm the idiot and I'm there to like make the jokes, but he's there to like set the record straight. And Andrew was like, dude, that's a, that's like a, that's a really solid idea. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to think this through. And so I sat on it for like three months and three months later, I'm sitting down at the Halifax central library in Halifax. Um, and it's, it was a new library, beautiful, beautiful new building. And they had these, um, they had these recording studios that you could book out for free and they had a sound engineer that would like do your sound for free and you, you could book it out for a, a one hour slot. And I was sitting there with my two best friends, Brian Stever and Taylor McGilvery. Taylor's a, a yoga studio owner. Brian at the time was like a real estate agent, but like we, we love each other. We're, we're always kind of like bouncing ideas off each other. And we, we were talking about like something we could start together and we're all podcast lovers. And I said to the guys, I was like, Hey, I got an idea. Like I've been sitting on this idea for a podcast for a few months. And I told them the idea and they were like, Oh, that's, that's a sick idea. Why don't we book out one of these recording studios? And what we can do is that, for the first episode, we will be the guest hosts. So Brian and Steve will be the guest host. I'll be the guest because like, I can't talk. I can't ask myself about living with CF and finding the humor. So I was like, yeah, all right, let's like, let's give it a, let's give it a trial run. So we went into the recording studio, recorded for an hour. We came back, we started editing it back at Taylor's apartment and listening back. We were like, holy, this is a, uh, I feel like we're onto something here. Like this is really funny. Um, there's something really like educational about it. Like the guys were learning stuff about me that they had never known. They were given this opportunity to like, ask me any questions, carte blanche, like whatever they want. And then on top of that, it, for me listening back, it was like really empowering. I was like, man, this feel, it feels so good to like get this out there. There's something really therapeutic about it. So we were like, well, screw this idea of the doctor. Why don't we, why don't we do another episode and now that we got the first one out of the way, the three of us will be the hosts and we'll talk to somebody else who's sick. So, you know, we put our heads together and we were thinking like, who's the sickest person we know? <laughs> and uh, my friend, Matthew Amiot, he had just had uh, a tumor removed from his brain. 
He had brain cancer. So I called Matt and I was like, hey, I got a crazy idea. Do you want to come into a recording studio and sit down and just like talk for an hour about your battle with cancer, but like make light of it and find the humor that exists? And Matt was like, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. We got together with Matt, we recorded with him, and that conversation was even better than the first one. And so we were like, okay, this isn't a fluke. You know, like there's something here. So we found somebody else. Then we found somebody else. And then somebody heard what we were doing and they were like, you should talk to my friend. Mm -hmm. So we talked to that person. And the ball just kind of kept rolling from there. And it, 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 when we launched the podcast, um, actually, even before we launched the podcast, I made a blog post about the idea. We had a couple episodes banked at this point. And that blog post got picked up by the media and it sort of like went viral. And that was the moment where I went, oh, okay, there's an audience for this. There's a need for people to like have these conversations um, because there's, you know, I think it's pretty rare for you to meet someone who isn't either directly affected by illness or is like secondarily affected by illness in some way. We all know someone who's dealing with something. And at the time, I, I, didn't, I couldn't find anything online that sort of gave a platform for people to like openly discuss what they're going through but also with this like air of irreverence and humor and, and silliness. And so that's where it all started. And it really took on a life of its own. Um, you know, six months into the show at that point, we already had like 300 people apply to be on the show today. At this point, we have over 3000 people on a list that have applied to be on the show. And the evolute, the shows, you know, sort of evolved over the last six years, but the longer we kept doing it, the more we started to have people reach out that, um, that weren't necessarily sick, but like people that were working within the healthcare industry that wanted to kind of step in and offer their two cents. You know, one of the first conversations that comes to mind is um, Dr. John Granton, who was the head of lung transplant in Ontario. And he wanted to come on the show. He actually traveled to, to Halifax to be on the show and he came on to talk to us about how lung transplants work and, and the success rates of lung transplant and the importance of lung transplant in CF patients. And what's funny is that I was like, hey, that's a great idea. Before this podcast, we recorded it. I was very clear, and I've said this on the podcast a number of times back in the early days. And again, the, again this is pre-Trikafta. I made it really clear that like I had no interest in lung transplant. For me, I was like, no. If I hit end stage CF, that's it. I'll like I'll punch my ticket. I'm good. I don't want to risk getting new set of a uh, new set of lungs, only to like have it backfire and then get what three years of like really, really hard, you know, crappy living, trying to like make these things work and they just don't. I'd rather check out early. Well, John Granton came on the show. And when he showed up, I was like, yeah, this will be really fun. We're talking about like lung transplant. And John was like, actually, this is an intervention. And I'm here to convince you otherwise. And what's funny is we had that conversation. And he did. He like, he shifted my mindset. He changed the way that I thought about the end of my life. Mm -hmm. And those were the types of conversations that we started to see kind of pile in on top of these conversations with people that were living with illness, but like people that were doing the work, the researchers, the, the physicians, the, the nurses, the, the people that actually are on the clinical side of things. And so um, 
you know, fast forward to today, we do three episodes a week. Mondays, we speak to those, you know, it's OG sick boy episodes. We talk to someone living with illness. Like right before this conversation, I just got off a recording with a guy named Bill Potts down in Florida. Um, he's a five-time cancer survivor. Wow. On Wednesdays, we speak to people that work within the sphere of health. So, you know, um, health researchers, people researching new drugs or... Um, health those, promotion coordinators. Health, that's it. Health promotion <laughs> coordinators. Like, exactly, right? And then Fridays are an episode that's uh, are episodes that are just for the three of us, me, Brian, and Taylor. And we just we just kind of like shoot the shit and talk about all the all the wild and wacky and weird things in the news that have to do with health. Um, and that's where the podcast is now. And it's it's um, you know we we got picked up by CBC during the pandemic. We're now a CBC podcast, and it's it's my job now. You know, and and tying this all back to that moment where it all started, you know, Kevin Smith saying like, this is the perfect form of creative expression. The podcast became my new passion in life. It became the thing that I, that gives me purpose to like get up every day. Um, it gave me, it, it gave me the thing that makes me excited about the idea of living way beyond the age that I thought I would live to. Um, it, 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 these conversations like truly fill me up and it's, uh, it's, it's been the greatest gift. Yeah, amazing. That's so cool. Tying back to lung transplants and your conversation earlier, I'll give us Alberta Lung a little plug in that. I'm not sure if you knew this, Jeremy, but we're, we're building Canada's first lung transplant home away from home. So Ooh. it's going to be a giant building. Well, I say giant building. It, we're calling it a home, but it's going to be a building with many rooms for people. Because so Edmonton, the University of Alberta Hospital, hosts the largest geographic geographical area of people who need lung transplants. So obviously if you need a lung transplant, you have to up, leave your life and bring a caregiver with you. And that can be incredibly expensive. I'm not sure if. Yeah, Dr. totally. Absolutely. John told you about that, but so obviously many people choose death over financially ruining their families. Yeah. So one of our major goals is building this place that we're calling breathing space. And it's going to be right next to the university hospital and, and people can stay there who need, who need it. You're going to have so many people showing up going, is this the yoga studio? Is this, is this... <laughs> exactly. So I want to do a, a shameless plug on my own podcast. So I guess it's not shameless. Anyways. Um, so <laughs> as you've mentioned, uh, one of the trademarks of Sick Boy is looking at illness and disease and ultimately death through a sort of lighthearted lens. So yeah. do you ever find that you or Brian or Taylor cross a line between trying to make light of a disease and laughing at certain aspects or is that just something that you like you can't ever do um if we do we don't hear about it um and and i think there's a number of reasons for that so you know um again like i said earlier we we have we have 3000 people from across the world who have applied to come on the show those people that are applying to come on the show, um, 99% of them are listeners. They're people who are familiar with the, the format. They're people who are familiar with the conversation. They're familiar with what we're trying to do. And so they come into that space ready to, to, to have a light conversation about a heavy to topic. And so I think because of that, that gives us the space to have those conversations where it feels right. 
Um, now, I don't want people to confuse that with this notion that like you can just go out there and crack a couple of jokes at your friend or with your friend who just newly discovered they have testicular cancer. Like maybe they're not ready for that kind of conversation. Um, but the people that come on the show, they're here for like they know what they're here for. They're showing up to like to find that levity with us. And so um as hosts, you know, the three of us, like our job is to meet the guest where they're at. Some guests come on and we're like, whoa, whoa, we got to like catch up, you know, like they're, they're just like going off with the, with the jokes and the hilarity. But some guests come on and they're, they're a little bit more on the reserved side of things. And so for us as hosts, we have to meet them there and, and we go at their pace. Um, and I think honestly, like, I don't know, you know, I, I feel like there's probably a number of healthcare professionals that listen to this show. It's, it's not, it's not unsimilar to, um, what I, I, I mean, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they teach in healthcare. I don't know what they're teaching at med school right now, but I think one thing that, that healthcare professionals could probably benefit from is in listening to sick boy is, is picking up on the ways that you can communicate with your patients uh, in a manner that allows you to show up for them the way that they need you to show up or show up for them on the same level as they are. Because um, again, it's not, it's not universal. Not all patients are like this, but for me myself, again, I, I rely on, on laughter as a form of alternative therapy. And so when I go to the CF clinic, you know, when things are tough, I'm, I'm, I want, I, I hope my, you know, my nurse practitioner or my, my, you know, my physician are there to like, meet me where I'm at, meet me yeah. in that, that space of like, all right, let's like, you know, if I crack a joke, crack one back, you know, be with <laughs> like, meet me there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Like <laughs> it's funny when I got trike after, um, I remember, uh, my my physician came in after I'd done all the tests. So we we you know at this point we know my weight's up, we know my lung function's high. She comes in and she's like, "What do you think?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, it's amazing! I'm so stoked! Like, this feels so good." And she's like, "Yeah, it's pretty great, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, this is like I've been waiting my whole life to be like to be given the opportunity uh, to hear from my physician that it's like okay for me to start smoking cigarettes like every day." <laughs> and her face, <laughs> her face. <laughs> She thought I was serious. Um, oh, no. And she was, she was like, no, 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 sir. And of course I was like, oh, I'm joking. I would never, I like, that's not, that's not my forte. And of course she, you know, she like laughs it off and yada, yada. But like, that's, you know, that's our job is to show up where our guests are coming from and, and be on whatever, you know, wherever they're at, we're going to meet them there. And if they want to take it a little further, we'll go with them there. Um, so in turn, I, you know, we haven't really heard from folks that have listened to the show and were rubbed the wrong way. And I feel like if we, if we have done that, we probably would have heard from someone because we get a lot of people writing in and we get people writing in with like, it's not all positive. Like we have, we have so many people write in with like criticisms, which is the, and the criticisms are always, um, this thing you said is not accurate you know like we're idiots i'm again theater school dropout yoga teacher uh uh real estate agent like we don't know <laughs> anything like of course we're gonna mess up 
Um, but we, but we don't hear from people writing in to say like, Hey, that was, that wasn't kosher or like that wasn't funny. Um, and again, I, I, I attribute that to our guests because our guests are the one that are coming in and we're going to meet them wherever they're at. Right. Yeah. That's very fair. And actually I'm, I'm really surprised you say that you haven't gotten that because of how many like people have access to this and just how many trolls there are out there, right. Yeah. And saying that, Hey, I'm not okay with this or, or slandering in some sort of way. So that's great that, it, yeah. that you haven't gotten any backlash. So I want to, I want to hop a question. I've taken a good chunk of your time and we're going to get into the last three. So I'm not original in this whatsoever and you can sue me, but you're not getting anything. <laughs> what would you say that sister, actually I'll preface this. This is Jeremy and, and the guys at sick boy always ask these uh, questions that I'm going to ask Jeremy. So what would you say that cystic fibrosis has taken away from you? Hmm. Am I the first person that's asked you this? You are. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, yeah. wow. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, now that I'm on this side of it, I'm like, God damn, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, what has CF taken away from me? I guess it's taken away an ability to be hmm. a hard one. Cause it's given you so much. Hey, it's given you the, yeah. this podcast. And like yeah. you said, you're almost, almost your self identity. Right. So maybe it's not even a fair question. It, I, I think, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's given me so much more than what it's taken away, but, but it, but it's definitely taken away this ability to be complacent. Mm-hmm. which which like sounds like a good thing but i think there's probably i feel like there's got to be some comfort in just being complacent you know like you know i i don't fear death um i used to but in my early 20s i really embraced it and i continued to embrace it and the more i embraced it the more i was like ready for it and when you live that way, you don't really have this, you, you, there's a lack of an ability to just kind of relax, yeah. you know? And, and so it's taken away that ability to, um, to not really give a shit. Like I, because I always do, you know, it's like, I, <clears throat> I'm a very, um, I'm a very impulsive person. And I'm a very um, spontaneous person and I'm a very, I'm, a, I'm someone who, and, and maybe, maybe there's a little bit of ADHD there that I haven't been diagnosed with, but like, I'm always, I don't feel like, you know, the other day, me and my girlfriend, we went to the beach and she loves the beach and I like the, I like the beach, but I don't like just laying on the beach, <laughs> you know, like if I'm at the beach, I want to do something. You got to be surfing or snorkeling or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or like tossing a ball or whatever. And so like to just lay at the beach, I look at her and I go, wow, that looks so nice that you can do this. But like to me, I'm, I, 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 there's this like voice in the back of my head that's like, dude, you are wasting away. You are wasting your time. Don't just lay, get things done, go. And so, um, and, and so I, I think I would like to have more of that. Um, but I don't think, I, I think CF sort of took that from me because 
again, even though at this point now, maybe it, maybe I do have time. I, I can afford to lay at the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but 30 years of my life, it was like the clock's ticking, bro. Like you got to go, you got to go. Do not waste, do not squander your time here. And so I think it's taken away my ability to, uh, to just chill out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think you can guess what the next question is. <laughs> I do. It's about Trikafta and no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> audible. <laughs> no, what, what would you say that uh, cystic fibrosis has given you? And obviously this entire podcast has a bit, been about what it's given you and, and yeah. sick boy and everything. So I want to try to challenge you a bit. What's the, we're going to get down to one thing. And maybe that is the podcast. Maybe it's an ideology. What's the one main thing you say that cystic fibrosis has given you? An acceptance of death. And, and, and not, not, not an acceptance, uh, an, uh, an ability to embrace death. I, um, you know, if I woke up, if I didn't wake up tomorrow, I wouldn't be sad. I, I would be, um, I, I feel like I've really lived life as fully as I possibly could have up to this point. And, I feel like I'm going to continue to feel that way where I've, I've really squeezed the most out of the time that I've had here. Um, and you know, um, it's a combination, you know, it's not just a cystic, cystic fibrosis and a practice of like, um, and I don't know, maybe you want to cut this out, but, but a practice of like, uh, very dedicated and like, like highly intentional, um, use of psychedelics has given me an, an ability to really embrace the idea that t- that time is finite, yeah. that our life is not going to last. And there's something really exciting about that. There's something very exciting about the idea that there's a, there's nothing I, I, you know, I hate nothing more than a television show that you love that just drags on. And it's like the first two seasons, you're like, yeah, this is so good. And then season four, you're like, what are we doing here? Like, this is, this is the worst. Like, there's nothing worse. And so, you know, those, those shows out there that exist that like are real tight, they got a beginning, they got a middle, they got an end. And it's so sweet. It's this beautiful little package of a story that is our lives. We have this beginning, middle and end. And I don't take this the wrong way, but I cannot wait to see what the end looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for the conclusion of whatever the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are a death phobic society and we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to look at it. We like to pretend that it's not coming, which is so completely insane because it's the only thing, especially right now, it is the only thing that all of us share in common mm-hmm. at a time where it's impossible to meet someone that you share everything in common with. That is the one thing, right? We're all going to die. And so this ability to embrace death has been just the ultimate gift. Like I love it. I love it. I love talking about death. I love, I love talking about death with people that are extraordinarily uncomfortable with it. It's my favorite thing. And, and I don't, I don't fear it at all. And, uh, and kudos to CF for that because it was, it was, was, that's a great gift. 
Yeah. You can't even say death and taxes anymore because people just evade taxes. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Death yeah, is the only right. thing that's certain. That's so right. I, I, I want to finish this entire interview kind of full circle and ending with a long health focus question. I'm curious what you would say to people in Canada and around the world who are struggling with a lung disease. And what is one little tidbit of advice that you would give to encourage people to keep pushing through their specific lung illness? Dedicate time every single week to really become aware of your tool, the one tool that you have, which is your body. Our bodies are incredible. Every time I go, I've, I've gone to see Cirque du Soleil like maybe five, six times now. Every single time I've gone to see the performance of Cirque du Soleil, I have left sobbing in tears because, because the, the act of sitting there and watching these specimens use their bodies in ways that are just so mind-blowing it's this beautiful reminder that we are capable of so much. Your body is the one tool that you were born with. You can do so much with it. And so if you're living with a lung disease, take time to really hone your tool. Take time to really be familiar with your tool. So if that is a practice of yoga, that's a great way of doing it. I mean, yoga is is moving meditation. Meditation is listening to your breath. It's just move movement and breath. Um, if that's for you is running, if that for you is swimming, cycling, um, if, 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 you're, if you're so hard up that you can't be physical, then just sit and feel your breath. Just become aware of the body that you have because you're here. You're, if you're listening to this, you're alive. You're here. You've got a tool. And so be a pre like find appreciation in your ability to just be to be you know like just feel your breath feel your feet planted on the earth feel take in your surroundings you have this body that can touch things and feel things and smell things and taste things see things like it, it we are we are so incredible and so you know, when things are hard, when things are really tough, when you're laying in that hospital bed and you're, you know, you've got a, 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 an aerosol mask strapped to your face and you're taking in Ventolin or you're taking in oxygen, you're still here. So like, just be, find appreciation in your body and the ability that your body has to exist because it goes so far. It can take you so far. Perfect. Oh my goodness. Kind of got a little bit of chills there, Jeremy. Thank you. That That's such a great way to end off this interview. So I'd like to thank you again for being a guest on our show and, and being the, the senior of the two podcasters between us, you, you pulled us along. So thank you again for being on the unsung lung podcast. Thanks Jacob. This has been a real treat, dude. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you as well. So with that, I'll just send us straight through to the outro. What an amazing interview with Jeremy. I feel so lucky to have been able to interview him and get a glimpse into his life and how a lung disease drastically altered it, for better and sometimes worse. I'll just end with a few takeaways from the talk that I have. So firstly, I'd like to talk about Jeremy's cystic fibrosis journey and how it really shaped him into the person he is today. But 
specifically around cystic fibrosis, I learned many things and that it's not just a lung disease, it actually affects multiple systems in your body. And that goes back to way back when this podcast started and, and how we talked about just different bodily systems affecting one another and, and obviously cystic fibrosis affecting his stomach and his gut so much as well as his lungs. And, and it's just incredible to think of how a disease that's so hard and so so powerful and it, well it could take his power away sometimes thank thankfully for trikafta that it, it doesn't do that as much anymore it's just incredible to think how jeremy overcame that overcame all the trials and tribulations and really led a journey for himself that has ended it well it's not ended it's it's continued and it's blossomed into such an amazing thing the second item that I'd like to discuss is just generally about Sick Boyin and how amazing of a podcast it is. I've been listening for about six months since my boss introduced it to me and, and the second I learned about it and I listened to an episode, I subscribed, I've listened to everyone since and I knew that I had to get Jeremy on the Unsung Lung podcast and kind of get his background and, and learn more about his lung health journey. So. Yeah, the podcast is so incredible. They, as we've said a bunch of times, they take a lighthearted approach to illness and disease, and and it's it's more than it's more than the sum of its parts, I guess I want to say. So it's more than just a comedy show. Obviously, it's more than just a lung health education. Lung health. It's more than just a health education program. It's when you combine those two things, they they lead to such an incredible product that it's hard to describe unless you listen to it. So if you want to learn about health, if you want something that's not a typical health podcast, and I hope we're not a typical health podcast and that it's a little fun and not dry, as I assume others are, I'll just leave it at that. Listen to Sick Boy. It's it's an incredible show and, and it'll give you more than what you're expecting and if you're a podcast lover this is definitely one that you have to have to have to listen to because it's incredible the final piece that i like to talk about is not really lung health related per se it's more just about jeremy as a person and and how he did overcome that lung health battle and he still goes through it but now with the drug to help him and and everything he's free to just be himself and i think that his journey has made him such an incredible person and he's so amazing to talk to. I can't express how lucky I feel to be able to have talked to him and and even when we weren't recording the episode, Jeremy and I got to talk a little and get to know each other and it's incredible. I I can't even explain it. This is kind of weird for me to divulge, but I want to say that Jeremy gets onto my list of people I want to spend a day with and he's in good company because the other two are Miles Teller, the actor, and Austin Butler from the recent Elvis movie. So he's in good company when I say that. And I know that's that's kind of funny, silly for me to say, but it just goes to show how how really great and genuine of a person he is. And and when we get back to it, when we get back to the, the roots of this program, how how a lung health issue really he turned that he turned it on its head and turned it into a career into his personality into his identity and i think it's really maybe not fitting but just really great to think that he turned that that phrase that i'm not my illness on its head and yes maybe it's not great for everyone to 
they, they, it's not good to be your illness. You're, so many people are more than that. But Jeremy embraced it, and he kind of he made it a career and a lifestyle and and an ideology. When you get down to it, when you think about it, it's an ideology in that he embraces his expiry date and he lives every single day like it's his last. So I think it's it's incredible. I think he's not, I think I know he's an idol of mine. He's a reason why I want to stay in health policy and health promotion. And it's just incredible to think about. So to support people like Jeremy with cystic fibrosis and other lung diseases, visit www.ablung.ca and find our donation link. You can also find the link to purchase a radon test kit like I mentioned in the introduction of today's show. I'll have much more to say on radon in the coming months, but no harm in starting your test now, I think. If you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode of our show, head to www.ablung.ca forward slash unsung dash lung. You can tell us what you like about the show, how you think we can improve, and what you'd like to hear in future episodes. Okay, so that just about wraps it up for this episode of the Unsung Lung Podcast. I'd like to send out another huge, huge, huge thank you to Jeremy. If you love health-based podcasts, which I'm sure you must at least a bit, if you're listening to me right now, then make sure you listen to Sick Boy. As I mentioned earlier in this conclusion, I was introduced to the show quite a few months ago, and I haven't missed one episode since. As I mentioned earlier the humor mixed with the health education is something new and it's really really fun and refreshing okay well with that i'll conclude with our motto as always just remember to breathe